We'll do three, two, one, clap on the fourth beat. And... Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. These look like lines as well. Hold on. I'm ready to record! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hope you were all recording at that point for some classic drug humour we can do. I I was recording. The, are we? Are we? Is that where we're starting the show? Are we starting pre-clap this time? Well, because I had I had stopped recording when you said "hold on, hold on" because I thought, "Oh, I'll just scrap this," and then you made that good joke. Yeah, top-notch humour. Right, we're not going to talk about certain things because. We don't even know what will happen, and also, let's face it, we are literally in wacky land from Looney Tunes. We are riding around on Warner Brothers shields <laughs> and, and hitting pigs with slingshots. So, I mean, that's what I did this morning. We are recording in the nebulous void where anything could be happening by the time yes. you hear this, and as such, there is no point us saying anything about anything, because we don't know what... What, what the world is where you're listening. We're going to be completely apolitical, like all of Ubisoft Games and Chris Jericho. Like, I kind of feel like anything we said that was grounded in reason would inevitably be wrong under the current circumstances. Yep. Ah, uh, it's fine. If you want to hear about politics this week, I got some spicy political takes about Ubisoft once again. Oh, oh, I've got some politics thoughts about them. Oh, I mean, the thing about Ubisoft, didn't Ubisoft on the Watch Dogs Legion thing, didn't they have like the character randomizer and then it came up with a pedophile? Oh, yeah, yeah. So like, that's a fun accident of procedural generation. I mean, I'm just saying it's on theme. Yeah, the, the game generated a character who was a pediatrician who had recently re ended a relationship with a patient and... Ooh. If you don't know what a pediatrician is, they are a doctor for children. Oh. I mean, that's that's where we're at. Procedural generation, everyone. It's the future. This isn't political. This is as political as Chris Jericho, right? Yeah. I, but I have a story about Election Day, because a, a funny thing happened, although it isn't that funny. Okay. Did it happen on the way to the <laughs> forum? No, it happened on the way out of the polling station. Oh. oh. Yes. So, you know, I'd done my vote and I was like, right, um, I, I've gone to the polls now to go home and work my poll. Have a celebratory wank for be a good citizen. <laughs> I, I was on the way out and then a couple um, had come past and then we had one of those after you, after you moments out the door. <laughs> oh. uh, fucking hell. I went back home and then they were in the lobby and we recognised each other and was all, ah, ha, 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 ha. And then in the elevator... Both up <laughs> to our floor, same floor. <laughs> While talking, the guy had just uh, had moved from fucking Mississippi. Goodness. So that was an interesting chain of coincidences. That that was. Yeah. Ah. Probably never see him again. Ah, <laughs> oh, I got some more Watchdogs things. Can I get my Watchdogs things out of the way? Because I've got politically opinions about Watchdogs. Might as well. First of all, reminder to everyone that game that game was like bricking Xbox One X's. I don't know if they fixed that or not yet. And that company is associated with a bunch of abuse allegations that have never been properly addressed, and we should probably get that out of the way. Something like one in four people at that company have experienced abuse or harassment. That's that's a wild statistic. Wait, wait, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah but tell me about these bricking of the Xbox. 
boxes though because <laughs> because as a gamer that's where I draw the line. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Um, don't know if it's been fixed, but a, a bunch of people who are reviewing it on Xbox One X were like, "Oh, it's making my console seriously overheat to the point it's turning itself off and or bricking." Fucking hell, this Ubisoft is starting to sound bad. Yeah, uh, but there's new news today about Watch Dogs Legion, a game that I played like ten minutes of because I got a code for it with the Xbox Series X and was like, "Fuck it, if I'm not paying for it, I'm never going to get review code from Ubisoft." I played like ten minutes of it and my access got revoked to it, and I think it was to do with like some technical thing. But in my mind, I'm like, "Oh God, they knew it was me playing Ubisoft onto me." Oh, so Ubisoft does know about boundaries oh. and <laughs> you know respecting when someone tells you there's no access to things. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So here's the news about the game. Watch Dogs Legion has a bunch of these in-game, like, essentially radio stations. They're builders' podcasts, but they're basically a radio you listen to in the car. And they have a bunch of British podcasters and radio hosts uh -oh. uh, ho hosting the various channels. Uh-oh, chums. Yeah, there's one of them that's been doing the rounds because everyone was like, oh, this is actually a really good bit of political uh, discussion. It it's a clip you might have seen going around this week of, of the, the in-game radio basically being like, oh, people don't recognise fascism unless it comes in the form they've seen before, and people are really bad at recognising new forms of fascism. And it Admittedly, the thing that was being said there on paper, yeah, yeah, that sounded like an insightful thing that was being said. The problem is, that is a real-world radio host podcaster named Helen Lewis, and Helen Lewis is a big, old, notorious turf. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you just, like, a headline that she wrote somewhere, just to give you a sense of what Helen Lewis is like. Welcome to the age of ironic bigotry, where old hatreds are cloaked in new, woke language. If you understand why Zionist has become an anti-Semitic code word, there's no excuse for calling women TERFs. Fuck off, TERF! That was her, like, fucking opening to a big article that was basically like, Hey, hey, if you call a TERF a TERF, what you're actually saying is that you're a misogynist and you hate women. It's not about the actions, it, you just are looking for a code word to be like, I don't like women. Helen Lewis is a big old fucking turf. And she's prominently featured in Watch Dogs Legion, so that's fun. I'm sure Ubisoft, apolitical, yeah. ne never knew any of that, just like they never knew how, you know, the Black Lives Matter fist and everything um, might have sent the wrong message when you put that in a game and say it's part of a, you know, a sinister global cabal. You know, I'm sure they just keep on making the same quote-unquote mistakes. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Ubisoft has absolutely no research teams that they utilize at all in the production of any of their product. Oh, absolutely none, of course. They would never research someone they were hiring to be a prominent character in a thing they were creating. No siree. I know we're being sarcastic here, but if their research department <laughs> is run anything like their human resources <laughs> department, yeah. we can't necessarily say, you've got it, therefore... You know, it's... Ubisoft sucks! Yeah, yeah, Ubisoft continues to suck. For the most part, um, I say for the most part, entirely. I'm, I, I mean, I'm not doing Watch Dogs Legion. I'm, I said the whole thing where I might buy them used and then do, like, impressions and... I can't be fucked. I'm not... I'm over... I'm done with them. After the, the, the fucking Tom Clancy's fucking uber-gropen-fuhrer game. I booted it up for ten minutes because I had Ubisoft granted code for it, which is never going to happen again. And... I, it then stopped working, and then I heard about Helen Lewis, and then I was like, you know what? This is the universe telling me that, like, no, I shouldn't even play the free version that I have. Free is too much of a price for this. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, 
you're contributing to the number of people who have played the game, which means that you are then used in a statistic to indicate the success of the product. Yeah, that is fair. Ubisoft, not even once. Indeed, but if nothing else, it's given me an excuse to bring this fucking bullshit up again, so here we go. I feel like I'm at the very least, I'm, I'm, I'm out doing, oh no, I touched it for 10 minutes, it's fine, I'll talk about how shit they are. I'm not going to tell you anything about my 10 minutes with the game, fuck it. <laughs> well, I don't know what anyone's talking about because I've been reading these reviews of Watch Dogs Legion and no one's brought anything up so I don't even think Ubisoft's done anything bad I saw one review and I think it was Eurogamers where they started with it wasn't a particularly firm statement but it was something to the effect of you know this is a weird time to be reviewing Ubisoft games what with all the allegations and Hopefully by the time their next game comes out, you know, we won't have to talk about this. And it was like, it brought up the allegations, but it very much was like, hey, maybe two weeks from now when Assassin's Creed Valhalla's out, maybe maybe this will be gone by then. They'll have fixed it by then. (laughs) (laughs) It was very optimistic about how short term this might not be a thing that we have to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is, as I've said before, as long as the Jumos are in charge, there's like Ubisoft won't change yeah it might veil its behavior better but but the shrimos are so in deep with this yeah yeah it's not gonna fix before assassin's creed comes out which i also won't be doing anything with (laughs) yeah and i can't get fucking consoles for love nor money can't buy one anywhere so i've got an easy end of the fucking year hey you know who apparently can get consoles this gal here I did not expect this to happen, but I do have both of them from the publishers. So huzzah, I get to talk about consoles now. I, I can talk about them without without all the NDAs and stuff. Do you want to hear about an Xbox? Sure. Tell me about an Xbox. Okay, so I've had the Xbox Series X in my office for like the last two weeks. And uh, it, it's a weird console to talk about because it clearly lacks like a killer app at launch. So often when a new console launches, the exclusive stuff for the new generation is what tempts you through the door because it's the worst fucking time to buy a console because it's the most expensive, there's the most bugs and glitches that haven't been worked out. It's the most stressful time to try and buy a console. And I have a lot of positive thoughts about the Xbox Series X as a piece of hardware, as a piece of tech, but I cannot tell you what reason there is to buy one at launch. So, like, in terms of using it, as someone who had, like, a launch day Xbox One, and by the end of its life cycle, it was really fucking chugging along and did not want to fucking work, it's really nice to have basically just the same user interface, but everything works fast again. Everything is very snappy and quick and goes as fast as you would hope it would. A lot of my time with the console has been backwards compatible stuff and generally just fucking around in Game Pass and seeing how things go. Every backwards compatible game I tried from Game Pass ran noticeably better and faster. Loading times were a lot lower. Any games that weren't hitting their frame rate caps like consistently that had wobbly frame rates, just nice stable frame rates now. As a machine for playing your backwards compatible library, everything does work nicer. And this is a thing I keep thinking about in terms of like day one who this console might be for is if you're someone who didn't get an Xbox One but maybe was a 360 person and you like Microsoft's franchises and you're like oh I've been meaning to get back in Game Pass as a thing that exists and this piece of hardware is a nice way to play the last generation's worth of Microsoft games I very much have enjoyed what's it called Quick Resume which is their hold you can have multiple games suspended in the background thing it works 
really well. I'm probably using it more than the average person right now because obviously I'm reviewing the thing, I'm jumping back and forth between games all the fucking time. If you, like me, occasionally move your consoles from one room to another for various reasons, your suspended games stay suspended even when the console's like completely disconnected from the power, which is a nice feature. I'm not super keen on the fact that the console does not give you any way to check which games do I currently have suspended, and if I boot another one up, what's going to be the next thing kicked off the list uh, of suspended games? That is like one feature that this feels like it's lacking. There's only a handful of games I can talk about that have actually been sort of enhanced for the Series X at launch. There's a bunch of titles that I was given access to and then told you can't talk about it. <laughs> so like, I've played quite a few Series X enhanced games, but but apparently can only tell you about three of them, so Forza Horizon 4? I mean, racing games always look fucking gorgeous at the start of generations. There's a reason that a lot of the times console manufacturers try and get them ready for launch because they tend to look really good, and Forza Horizon 4 basically has no loading times and runs at 4K60 and is very, very pretty moving at very fast speeds. It is probably the thing I've played that felt the most, like, next-gen. If you're looking for something to play to show your friends and go like, aha, look how cool my new Xbox is, a racing game from several years ago that has had a patch is probably your best bet. Gears 5 looks exactly how you would imagine it to look on new hardware. It's a game that deliberately goes slow so that you can focus a lot on ridiculous texture detail, and now it's doing that at 4K60. The last one I'll get into in a second in more depth, because I actually have interesting things to say about it, is Yakuza Like a Dragon, which I've very much enjoy it as a game. It very much feels like a cross-generational thing. You know when you get those games where it's like you clearly built this for the end of the last generation and did a new coat of paint over it toward the end? This is that. It, it, it's not the most impressive showpiece of what the new hardware can do. The only thing that's really impressive about it on next-gen hardware is the disappearance of loading screens. Every time it tries to bring up a loading screen tip, before I can read the first word, it's, the loading menu's gone again. And that's that's really cool. It definitely kept that game moving a bit faster. Nice accessibility stuff about it. Absolutely every software level setting for accessibility from the Xbox One series of consoles has moved over. All of your old controllers, including the adaptive controller, supported right out the box. They've taken very much a if it isn't broke, don't fix it approach to accessibility, and I think that's largely for the best. They've not fucked anything up, which is nice. For people who've been doing reports of like, ah, oh, the, the, it gets really hot and the fan really revs up. That fan has been whisper quiet. I have not heard a fucking sound out of the console and it has not noticeably produced any heat. That said, you know those holes in the top of the console? Yeah, those those do just go directly into the fan and there is nothing to stop kids dropping shit into the system fan and if it goes in there, there's no fucking way to get stuff out, so that's a thing to be aware of. But yeah, honestly, after two weeks with it, it is very nice to play a console that loads this fast and all of the backwards compatible games have such stable frame rates and everything is just a bit nicer than it was, but it feels like an incremental update at launch more than it does something particularly new and that you must get right this minute. It feels very much in line with when we got the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. It's that it feels like that sort of step forward rather than a reinvention. And without Halo Infinite, which was very clear from looking at the box for the console and what they have available at launch, it's very clear that was meant to be the game that you would be playing on launch day, and it's not here, and without it, it's a very nice box, but I don't know why you would buy it on day one. That's that's my main 
feelings on it right now. All right. Yeah. You got any any questions or anything? I mean, <laughs> I'm in a position where I have a good PC and everything that's going to come out for this is going to be on my PC. So Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be the thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Conrad's getting me a nice pink computer all done. That's right. Yeah. That'll be me sorted. Yeah. That's the thing. If you've already got an Xbox One, there's no games that you need to buy this for. And if you already have a good PC, there's no need games you need to buy this for. Yeah. I mean, they might have had more if they weren't launching these fucking consoles this fucking year. They have more games. People could have made them. Yeah, this was a weird year to try and do the launch. And like, I want to be clear, it makes a big difference how much beefier this machine is. If nothing else, having played this for a couple of weeks and then booted my PS4 back up to run Little Hope, I was very struck by, oh, oh, I've gotten very used to these new loading speeds very quickly. <laughs> the current generation of consoles feels comparatively slower having spent a couple of weeks with this. But like, that's the main thing I can say. Everything... Do you, do you want your existing games to be a bit shinier? Right now, that's the proposition, and they definitely look and run shinier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you mind if I talk a bit about Yakuza Like a Dragon? Because that's, like, the main thing I've actually played that is new. I'll fill your boots. Do it. I can't remember. Have either of, have either of you people who've played the Yakuza series much? A bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Yakuza Like a Dragon, completely new standalone game in the Yakuza series. This time it's a turn-based RPG, which is a bit of a shake-up. I really like the new cast of characters they have in this. They did a very good job of not trying to make this the existing Yakuza protagonist and to just go in a completely different direction with it. That's good, because I wanted to get all the games done before Like a Dragon. It's not realistically going to happen. Uh, 100% you can just jump into this like completely separate from the other Yakuza games and just be like, this is its own separate franchise. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. I can summarise the new protagonist up as dopey, slightly optimistic, a little bit naive, really wants to be an RPG hero, to the point that half of the fights in this game are him hallucinating, like, daydreaming, or you're all magical villains and I'm going to beat you up with my baseball bat covered in barbed wire. I feel like more than a lot of past Yakuza games, this one has been a lot more tasteful in how it's presented minority groups when they've come up. There is a lot less of the, like, kind of gross homophobia and transphobia that has previously come up sometimes in the in the series. Early on, there are some, some really good conversations to be had about upward mobility for homeless people and how not having a permanent address makes it really hard for you to get employment to get out of being homeless. Or conversations about the need to protect sex workers from fundamentalist religious groups that will try and close them down with no thought for the safety of the sex workers. Workers. Like, when the game is trying to be serious, it has some good, serious stuff to say and it does it well. Mm-hmm. Kind of a little bit undercut occasionally by its attempts to be a bit wacky. Like, I mentioned that nice, like, ah, there's some good conversations about, like, homeless stuff. One of your party members is a homeless person whose attacks are like, I'm gonna sleep on a cardboard box for a minute to recover some health, and I'm gonna throw some bird seed to make the pigeons attack, and, mm. like, real, real stereotypes and tropes of, like, ah, this is the move set you would give the homeless character. Those things are a bit tacky, and they kind of undermine the moments where the game is like very, very thoughtful and progressive with its overarching plots. It's weird to see those two contrasted. 
when the game is being wacky and silly and doing the over-the-top Yakuza thing it does, does it very well. There is an early on plot where all of the villains you are fighting basically are presented as Pokemon and you go and meet a Pokemon trainer that wants you to go catalogue all of the terrible people living in this city and that was handled very amusingly. I've been having a lot of fun with this game, in spite of the little moments where occasionally I'm like, uh, mm, that, mm, that was not a great choice you did, but it usually moves past them pretty fast. I've really enjoyed the turn-based combat system, how they've got it set up. It's very fast-paced, um, there is very little time between actions. As soon as an action's done, you're right over to the next person, go, 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 keeps the action moving. They've got a little system that's a bit like Paper Mario in there, where you sometimes have to mash buttons to make your attack do extra damage, oh, or what? tap at the right time to block an attack coming no in. No sale, Laura! Chuck it in the bin. You don't want to have to mash buttons. No, unless it's the unless it's the judgment ring from Shadow Hearts. It can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the most interesting thing I've played on the Series X, despite being the least impressive use of the technology. Oh well. But I, I very much have found it like a very good place to jump in if you've been looking for a place to jump into Yakuza, and I very much like its new cast of characters. They're very endearing, they've got a lovely sense of camaraderie with each other, and it might be my favourite Yakuza that I have played. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. What what you lot played this week? So I can stop waffling for a bit. <laughs> uh well, I uh started playing Death Stranding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm only Maybe five or six hours in at this point. It's still really early going. Still being introduced to mechanics and, you know, mm. being told, hey, you should go stop in your room every now and then so that the baby gets chilled out. Stuff like that. Yeah. But I will say it immediately felt familiar playing it. Mm. Uh, just right out the gate, walking along that that weight mechanic and controlling you know how it's positioned on your body it feels so natural to me from growing up backpacking and like i immediately related to okay now i'm going down a slope i'm gonna hold my weight you know embrace myself and take this gradual and slow as it went as i wend my way down and that kind of impressed me how like just right that action feels in the context of what you're doing there. I will continue playing it. I'm intrigued to see where this world that they've established is going. I have many questions about how it functions. Many of them will not be answered, and much of the plot will be bonkers as fuck. <laughs> I, I know who made this game. Yeah. And I am prepared for both of those eventualities, but it, it is a thing that is at least intriguing me and, and pushing me along to continue to play more. And I don't know, I like gradual, busy, worky stuff. I'm actually playing it offline. You know, not participating in that whole, like, exchange of player-placed items and things like that. I want to build my own routes and exploit them and, and things like that. So, I, I am enjoying it. Is it's I, I'm not loving it, but I do find it a very 
sort of relaxing thing to just hop in, do an hour, do a delivery, go do some other stuff afterwards. Uh, it's kind of pleasant. It's a game that warmed on me over time. Like, my first few times trying to get into that game, it just didn't click. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those few games that I ended up coming back to after, like, six months or so of not playing it. Mm -hmm. And having a better time with it for going into it knowing what to expect and not trying to rush it on what it was trying to do. It very much wants you to just take your time and go for a long walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't mind doing that. And yeah, I'll, I'll keep taking some long walks with Sam. I mean... I gotta put on a podcast. Yeah. You know, or watch a video. I, I was playing this morning while I, I watched the 30th anniversary reunion show for Guar's uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it was heartwarming in its own way. <laughs> Ended with killing a Nazi skinhead. You know, nice. gets you right in the feels. But yeah, uh, and meanwhile, I'm having this just sort of pleasant experience. I'm kind of frustrated because of how early I am in the game and how much Guillermo del Toro has to tell me about because I can't just passively enjoy it. I have to listen to what they have to say and learn a bunch of shit <laughs> Yeah. every once in a while. And, and so I find that aspect of it a little bit annoying that I keep being interrupted from playing the game by having to be told about <laughs> how to play the game. You will get past that hurdle. You will reach a point where, like, it's just do the game loop for a while. And, like, it, it's it's the kind of game you can zone out to nicely once you get that going. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pleasant. I'm peeing on stuff. Doesn't love that. Who doesn't love peeing on stuff? Yep. Yep. It's, it's fun. I like the baby. Baby's good. It's hard not to like the baby. It's a very endearing baby. It's a very endearing baby. Mads Mickelson. Very endearing as well. Oh, if you if you ever see anywhere on your map a hot spring, go take your baby to the hot spring. Okay. The hot springs are very good locations to visit. Good good baby spots. Good baby spots. Baby will have a good time there. <laughs> Jim, you play anything? Sometimes you think it'd be just easy to just keep your hand on the back of their head, but eventually you <laughs> let them up. <laughs> what did you play this week, Jim? I've been playing the um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity Oh, I played that demo too Yeah What did you think of it? Oh, you want to know that too? All yeah, right. ideally Yeah, it's okay, it runs mm, I mean, it didn't have an encouraging frame rate when I first started it It's, it's okay I like that it feels more immediate than the original like sw switching between items is a lot quicker mm. and feels like it can be roped immediately into the combat whereas in the first Hyrule Warriors you'd have to like essentially pause the game to select like a bow and arrow or bombs or whatever yeah in this it's you've got access to all the the different Sheikah Slate powers like throwing a bomb or, or doing the magnetizing and all of that and it's it's as simple as like a button press and then doing it so it's a lot quicker and just it feels like you're roping it into the attacks rather than doing it as its own separate thing mm. consequently every character as well as having their own unique move sets also have like different special moves that change how those Sheikah Slate abilities work, which is really interesting. Yeah, that took me a while to pick up on, that those same abilities, like, that 
they're theoretically shared between characters, but they function so differently. Yes, yes. So yeah, like you, you get Zelda and you get Link, and they're the way they throw bombs is entirely different. Like Link will just throw bombs regularly, although he'll throw a ton of them. Um, it's really quite fun, just like basically shelling the enemy. And then Zelda, <laughs> the exact same move, except instead of throwing bombs, she basically turns into a, a big bomb tank <laughs> sort of thing, or at least rides around in one. So it's wildly different depending on which character, which is really cool. Yeah. So it's it's quicker, I feel. I feel like because you've got a, um, a range of different attacks that can be more effective, uh, it's n the, the main problem I had with the first game isn't as prominent here, where it felt like 90% of what you could do was useless the moment a, a larger enemy turned up, because it's just waiting for them to do an attack, hitting them while they're weak from it, and just keep doing that until you can pull off a special move that is the only move that damages them. Here it's not quite that pronounced. It felt like there was a lot more variation in like alternate ways you could hit those big enemies, because like, yeah, sure, you can hit them until... Uh, like dodge an attack and uh, get your opening but like say charging enemies you can use the uh, the ice rune so that they'll hit the ice and like stun themselves and you it felt like you had more agency in that and that works a lot better than it did in the original one because yeah. there were very rare opportunities to do that yeah but again because it was slow and stodgy it never quite worked out whereas here you get the 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 telegraph prompt of what attack to use to you know, uh, counter whatever move they're going to do, and then you can just pop it off, and it, it works a lot quicker and, and more reliable than it did in the first game. I also feel like each of the characters, at least in this demo, had a lot more variation of just, like, sheer number of different tools at their disposal, which might be a side effect of the fact that this is probably going to have a smaller roster than the original Hyrule Warriors did, but it does feel like you have a lot more just sheer number of tools available to you at any time. Yeah, I mean, each character behaves differently from, certainly from the original Hyrule Warriors as well, so mm. like the Zelda here is not that Zelda. And yeah, they each of their movesets, their regular movesets, even have their own gimmicks, which again was somewhat present in the first first game, you know, like the way Zant had to sort of balance powering up moves versus powering up too much and then being open for attack. Uh, here you've got like what Link can do is halfway through one of his sort of finishing moves, you can keep the button held down and just keep that held and pop off another one, um, which again was in the first game, but here it's been expanded. Like everything has just been expanded to make each character feel different, even though they control the same. They behave differently and that changes how you use them. I feel like Impa is the character who was like the most out there in terms of moveset on this demo with her whole like summoning clones ability. You can have like a dozen of her at once. By the time I was finished with the demo, I still didn't quite get my head around what I was doing with her. Because yeah, they really do just, each character it appears just throws some wild new gimmick at you. Which isn't a bad thing. It's just, you've got to wrap your head around it. Because each character controls the same. Yeah. And the combat itself is, you know, you're smashing up loads of enemies. It's hard to follow what's happening sometimes. So you've got to just spend a bit of time just seeing like what's happening <laughs> among all of the effects and, and colours. You've got to give yourself a second to not just run to the next objective and find an empty bit of field and go, right, I'm just going to do my moves for a second and see what I'm doing. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's good. I like the... The way the campaign's set up now, in this one you get a, a world map and you can choose battles in different orders. Mm. And there are other little things on the map, like stores that you can buy stuff at and 
different places where you can contribute some materials and that'll unlock like a new heart for a character or a new part of a move set. Um, so I really like how that's been laid out. It's a lot more, well, it's less menu based. The first one was everything was done in menus and sub menus, whereas here it all just feels like it's part of the game. Yeah. Um, it's more straightforward, um, even though it's, it's taking place on a map with all these fancy graphics, it's more straightforward than what you would think straightforward menus would be. Because, you know, you go from menu to menu to menu, whereas here it's like, here's a picture on a map, go here, give it some fish, <laughs> and then you've unlocked something. I really liked as well how faithful this felt to Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. It is very clear that a lot of work has been put into making sure that this does not have any kind of uncanny valley feeling with the game that it is a prequel to, that it is just like, no, this is, this is Breath of the Wild's assets with um, a billion things dropped into it. And that was impressive to see it recreated that well and holding up as well as it did. Yeah, yeah. It, it visually and the way it uses the abilities, it genuinely does feel like a Dynasty Warriors game believably set in the Breath of the Wild universe. Yeah, it is very much the thing they promised. It seems like they are succeeding at that. Yeah, pretty much. And weapons don't break. And I don't have to climb up <laughs> fucking mountains while it's raining, so... Not in the demo, who knows what the about demo, the full yeah. game? Who knows about the full game? <laughs> I'm pleased by those two things. I know weapon durability has been confirmed, or at least I was pretty sure it has been confirmed not to be in it. Yeah, so you're right. So that's already got me pleased. Um, but yeah, it looks... I mean, it doesn't look like I'm going to be wowed by it, but part of that would be the fact that we already had a Hyrule Warriors tw twice. I mean, they... Well, three times. They, they've re-released it twice. So some of the Sheen's taken off the very idea. Yeah. But I do like what they're doing with this one. I'm very excited to sink some hours into this. Like For sure, it's gonna be good, and I like that it's real soon. Yeah, it's it's what, like a month or oh no, it's later this month, isn't it? It's a few weeks away. Yeah, it's quick, yeah. I didn't realise we were in November already. This last few weeks has been a blur. Yeah. I feel like it's it's already mid-December, but it's it's been a bit of a lengthy <laughs> November four days in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the Hyrule Warriors, um, I'm hopeful that, that the full game will will keep me going. And um, yeah. yeah, it looks, it, it's promising so far. Nice. Uh, Comrade, you played anything else this week? Uh, yeah, I booted up uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time recently. Oh. Oh, good game. Yeah, I just, I, I felt the itch to go back and play, and it is still just, a really, really fun game. I mean, you you can't you can play it alone, but there's no point. It, it, you need somebody else to have the experience that's intended. I love lovers in a dangerous space time. I play it all the time. We play it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's just one of the most delightful co-op games in recent memory. I can't believe it's five years old. God, a simpler time. But yeah. I just I love running around, hopping from spaceship operation to spaceship operation. The difficulty balance is really, really good. Uh, the progression of it is a lot of fun. It's just a great game. It's one of those there are too many things to do and not enough hands to do it games that doesn't feel as stressful as some of them. It doesn't feel like it's encouraging you to bark orders at the other person like, why aren't you on that thing? No, it's very much more a, I'm going to go do this and the other person 
person says, okay, I'm going to do that, I find, as opposed to telling somebody else what to do. I can't put my finger on what it is about the design that makes it that way, but it is definitely a lot more positive and welcoming than a lot of games that have that same conceit. Well, I think part of it is that all of the interactions are incredibly simple to perform. The only thing that winds up being occasionally challenging is piloting. Yeah. Like getting the the hang of the piloting in that can be difficult. And if you've got one person who's better at it, yeah, they're probably going to spend most of the time piloting, but whatever. Did I ever tell you about the time I had real issue piloting? Did you? Yeah. So anyway, right, I was sat there minding my own business, right, Mm -hmm. when a crowd brings this beardy bloke kicking and screaming to my door, and they're telling me to do something about it. Tried sending him to Herod first, and then he sent him right back, told him to fuck off. Wow. I mean, really, how dare they try to just dump that off on you? Right? It was pizza night. It was Pilate's Pizza and Pilates night. (laughs) took me way too long to to work out where we were at there. Uh, uh It was really greasy pizza as well. Needed a hand towel after. Think about it. Think about it and laugh. Think about it and fucking laugh! (laughs) Right, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. I can boost the volume of that in post. (laughs) Jim, what else have you been playing? Oh, hell yeah. Um... Uh, Cloudpunk. I played a bit of Cloudpunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was one of those. It, it was a Conrad moment. It was. It's Wednesday. I've got two hours until Podquisition. Mm-hmm. I need to fucking play something. Uh, and then saw that I had Cloudpunk uh, on the Switch, which I downloaded ages ago. And then because of ADHD, forgot. So then I played <laughs> it. And then because of ADHD, I forgot to pay attention to any other story. So I think it's good. Yeah, when, you, when you're rushing and you're in a, a, a mindset where you can't follow what's going on, I'm a, I've done more harm than good than I would have done if I'd have just not played anything. Um, I should have lied. It has a very good dog. It's got a very good dog. Which is really all you need to know. I like the dog. The dog's nice. Basically, I mean, I can give you the basics. If you've not played it yet, uh, you are a delivery driver in this world that sort of, it's very Blade Runner-ish, very cyberpunk-ish, but with an art style that's sort of like Minecraft, but more complex. Um, so it's like all the blocky looks and pixely, all of that stuff, but a lot more detail and texture to it. A very pretty looking game. On the Switch, it runs... Uh, it, it, I mean, at times, it it runs with just enough of a frame rate dip at times where it's like my eyes go a little, oh, this is not too comfortable. But the game itself is... So you're this delivery driver, you have a little truck thing called a hover, and you go from A, pick up a thing, go to B, drop it off, for the most part. And during the deliveries, there's a lot of story that gets unfolded, and you can get out of your truck and explore um, little cities in the world, pick things up, do little side quests and things. And that's mostly what it is. So far into the game, I've gotten to a bit where there was a choice, drop off this package even though it's suspicious, or dump it somewhere. So there are choices in that, but I'm not too far in. I'm about like two hours or so in, if that. Well, I remember that you at one point had tried to play it on your stream that's at uh, twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Mm-hmm. I paid even less attention then. Right. And that's <laughs> and I actually I had a similar experience when I tried to stream Cloudpunk on my Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. It's a good channel. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Oh, you were quick to agree with that, but not quick to agree with my joke being good. Thanks, <laughs> Conrad. I know where I stand. 
With all that in mind, maybe I shouldn't bother trying to stream it on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Buzz, where I'm now a partner. Yeah, <laughs> I heard you got my partner on Twitch. Yeah, I got my partner on Twitch. Fucking hell, that's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying, comrade? Well, what I was saying is that it, it, it's a stream. It's a game that seems really conducive to streaming, but there is just a lot of storytelling going on all the time, and it's impossible to, you know, focus on both it and what's happening in a chat on a stream you've clearly both never streamed like telltale adventure games and whatnot i could get up your game it's a game you've got to play through <laughs> once on your own yeah and then it's chill enough to where you can have it on as a background game if sure you know someone like us we, we're a, we're very chat focused yeah um so something like cloud punk as a, as a because mechanically there's not much to it but yeah if you're trying to actually follow it for the first time Certainly, if you're in my position, you won't have a fun stream. Yeah, I, your your chat is, I imagine, a bit much to try and manage while playing that. Oh yeah, and I'm like constantly gabbing. I I I did a, a I think it was like a three hour stream, and over the course of it, managed one Hades run, like a twenty five <laughs> minute Hades run. Um, I get too distracted and chatty. And Cloudpunk, not so good. But I think even for someone who doesn't have sort of the the hurdles I have with it, um, with streaming and paying attention, it's still difficult. Like, as Conrad said, it's still yeah. difficult because you just can't properly pay attention. And it, you really should listen to it. And it's well written. And the performances yes. are good. It's worth paying attention to. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, okay, this is like when I tried to do Disco Elysium. I'm just not going to be able to enjoy it as much on a stream. So, yeah, I'm going to play through it once. Uh, Casey Explosion, was, I know that's on her list of some of the best games that came out this year. Mm. So I'm not super immediately grabbed by it so far, but it's interesting enough and, and uh, laid back enough, certainly. Um, and Lord knows that's a, a good thing to have in your pocket at the moment. Um, to where I want to keep playing it. Yeah. 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 We got some newsy things this week. Ooh, could we? So one one thing that is of interest to me, and I, I, I think maybe uh, Conrad, it might be of interest to you from from a tweet that happened this week. Mm. So uh, PlayStation Five that's coming out soon has got some some fancy things in its controller. One of which is resistive triggers that you try and push the trigger and it actively fights being pushed. They've touted it to be like, ah, oh, you can you can. It feels like you're pulling a bowstring and stuff like that. One thing that I have been wondering for a while is, can you turn that feature off on a system level? Because that's going to cause some problems for people with disabilities, with muscle weakness, with uh, pain issues in their hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And they have finally confirmed, like, a week before the console comes out, yes, you can disable that on a system level, um, which is good news for accessibility, because as cool as that feature sounds, I can see the problems if you were forced to use it. <laughs> I love that they had this idea and that they're experimenting with levels of immersion in games. And I think that's all great. It's really good. As long as you continue to keep in mind that not everybody will be able to have that experience and that you don't cut them off from being able to participate on some level. Exactly. And I've been saying this about this feature for a while. There's no reason why it can't be optional because... Right. 
Like, all it is is an immersion adder. There's not any, like, it's not creating new buttons inherently. All it is doing is changing how the game feels when you play it, and you just have to accept that some people will not be able to push a trigger that is pushing back. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they have finally confirmed that that's a thing. Yeah, well, we we call those people casuals. People push back on this stuff all the time, and it's pathetic. Oh, trust me. As someone that does a show about accessibility in the games industry, I am well aware that people push back against this stuff. Oh, I know. At some point, I want to actually talk to you about that for my own, like, talking about it, because, I mean, let's face it, at this point... You're already the expert by the fact that so few people talk about this stuff and you're like super dedicated. So yeah, I'll have to talk to you about that at some point. It's frustrating seeing how long it has taken Sony to confirm this, because by by comparison, Microsoft, like, the second they announced their new Xbox, were like, don't worry, all your existing controllers will work and we're not introducing anything new that's going to fuck it up. They were real upfront about it, which was nice. We got more news stories about the fact that Marvel's Avengers game is not going to survive long enough to get those post-launch updates that it was I talking mean... about. And Marvel's Avengers has cut the prices of all of its in-game purchases permanently by 50%. Ooh. Suggesting, if you look at other games that, that like Anthem, they did very similar things immediately prior to, oops, we're not doing updates anymore. Yeah. I mean, the other thing to bear in mind as well is I'm not surprised they've slashed the costs because their cosmetics were terrible. Yeah. It wasn't just that this fucking game was another piece <laughs> of shit live service that compromised so much oh. to accommodate it. The reason to do a live service, i.e. that monetization, was so <laughs> poorly done. Like, the costumes... I mean, the characters to begin with were garbage. I liked them. Well, in, in, well, here's the thing. Even if you don't think they're rubbish. I know. I know. I will acknowledge that the post-launch skins are bullshit. Every skin makes the original design look worse. So whether you like the designs or not, the original ones, every single one looks better than what you can buy, basically. It's all hot garbage. Every single purchasable cosmetic made the character look worse. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I still maintain that, that that game is worth playing for its single player campaign. I had a lot of fun with that single player campaign, but yeah, never buy a game on the promise of content that is to come, because you can never guarantee, even with a big name like this attached, that the content will come. And maybe it will, but I'm not holding... This is a bad sign for it. I have this... This dream, this fantasy in my head that one day somebody will be able to like get the people involved in the production, like the key decision makers that made the decisions that resulted in one of these live service disasters to just fully account for what and how it happened and what the fuck they were thinking and what their expectations were and why they made these choices because I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, that'll never happen. Nobody will ever acknowledge it again. No, no one wants to talk in depth about their multi-billion dollar failure. Ugh, such a shame. We could learn so much. Yeah. Uh, we've got the continued stories of it being really fucking confusing what versions of games you need to get between this generation and next. The newest of those is Hitman 3. It has a, a VR mode. You can play the whole game in VR on, on PlayStation VR. PlayStation VR is supported on the PS5 with an adapter that Sony will apparently sell you or give you for free. 
but they haven't said how the console's out in less than a week and they've not said how you can get this adapter yet checks out but but vr is the future Hmm. and i think we all need to understand that yeah so theoretically playstation vr does work on ps5 and you would think hey hey if i buy the playstation 5 version of hitman 3 surely i can play the uh, the vr mode that exists on the ps4 For sure no oh hitman 3 requires the ps4 version of the game to play on psvr even if you have the playstation vr hooked up to ps5 well it's clear that square enix understands the level of commitment that sony is showing to vr with the ps5 and they are emulating that (laughs) it seems weird to cut the support out like of the more expensive version why not just leave the support in that seems very strange i'm sure there is a reason oh i'm sure there is and and a good one like i'm sure there's a legitimately good reason that we will never be told why this decision was made yeah and and it had to be this way but it is fucking weird it's the latest in a string of just strange baffling weird cross-generational stories that no one's quite sure what's going on with because it keeps reminding me of the fact that like yakuza like a dragon saves will transfer from xbox one to series x but they won't from ps4 to ps5 Mm -hmm. and like there's a bunch of these weird stories where it's like what's 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 going on Something weird's happening. Just tell us what's up. We just want to understand what's going on with the consoles. Everything's fine. I mean, you could have just stopped at what's going on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> could someone just tell us what's up? Just someone, like, like send me an email or something. And just, like, le- let me know the deal, if any of you do. <laughs> Again, we are... I just want to make sure we are releasing consoles right now, right? That is happening. Oh, we've got consoles releasing in, like, a week. I have one in my house. They're that close. And we are sure... We're sure that they're making the right decision by releasing these now. I mean... Well, their pre-orders did really well. Yeah, they did. I'll say... At the very least, PlayStation has some games launching with theirs. They're not doing the Microsoft of, well, you've got your old games. Uh, It's, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I cannot imagine being in a financial position under the current circumstances in the world to throw that kind of money at a video game console. Bread and circuses, my friend. Uh, The people want them. Thanks, Microsoft and Sony. Must be nice to feel that comfortable, I guess, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, The only other news story I had on here, and I don't know if you'll find this as amusing as I did, but Final Fantasy 16, we've had trailers for it. The protagonist is like black hair swooped across his face, like muscular emo lad with a with a big demon sword and an arm that's a dragon or something. His name's Clive. Clive! I don't know why I find that so hilarious. That I, I'm imagining this Final Fantasy protagonist just sat doing the crossword in the corner like, oh, hello, it's me, Clive. Hello, Clive. That's all there was to that story. I just find giving this big, beefy emo man the name Clive, I just find amusing. Hello, ladies. Hello. <laughs> My name's Clive, and I can be your Final Fantasy. I'm imagining him on a dating tape. I very much uh, have enjoyed uh, the local fishing magazine. It's run by uh, one of the local anglers. It's got all the best local hotspots. <laughs> Fly monthly, never miss an issue. 
My name's Clive. I did the cryptic crossword today. Uh, eight down was a real head scratcher. I do a lot of traveling for work. <laughs> but so when I'm home, I like to relax with a nice cup of tea and the crosswords and just sit with my cat Binkles. I'm supposed to go and save the world from a big crystalline threat or something, but that really seems a bit high energy for me. I'd rather stay home and uh, tend to my tadpoles. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's that whole new story. I found a name funny. There you go. That's Clive. Yeah, good old Clive. <laughs> that's Clive. Final Fantasy Clive. I'm going to play Final Fantasy 16 with the sound off so that every time Clive's on screen, I can read his lines like that. It's going to feel good. It's going to be a little treat just for me. I think that's everything we got this week. I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll suit me down to the ground. Jim, this is the bit where you, you, you point the attention over to us so we can self-promote. Yeah, if you want. Um, Laura... <laughs> Well, see, now it seems like I've asked for it, but sure, yeah, hello. <laughs> uh, right, I mean, I suppose you've obligated me to ask you what, you know, what people can look at that you've done. Well, see, I wouldn't have had to obligate you if you'd done it in the first place, no, would no, I? Just, just mm, do yeah. it, will you? <laughs> Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Patreon.com slash Laura K. Buzz. Laura K. Buzz.com. I post everything, be it written articles, freelance features, podcasts, videos, whatnot. Uh, YouTube.com slash Laura K. Buzz. Every Friday, in theory, I upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. That Friday upload schedule has been a bit wild around the console launches because I've been trying to get stuff done for embargoes, so keep an eye out for that whenever in the week. As of when this episode goes up, there will be on YouTube my accessibility episode about the Xbox Series X, as well as a like full in-depth review of the console, and then just a video of just a bunch of 4K 60 frame a second gameplay footage if you just want to see what the games look like. Other than that, I've got books. There's Uncomfortable Labels, which is about being an autistic trans woman, and that's out where books are sold right now, or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There is Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is an illustrated coffee table book of silly and serious video game character butt reviews. That is out February 4th, 2021. There's also Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of non-cis peoples, positive gender-affirming stories, and that's out in June 2021. Then there's podcasts. Pixel Squire, it's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. And then there's Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. I'm on that show with Comrade. Oh my goodness, you sure are. Uh, you can support me and the stuff that I do on the internet at patreon.com slash fistshark or you can just come hang out in a stream with me at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Follow me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman or buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or maybe buy an audiobook at conradreads.com Um, other than that, I think, Jim, you've got a Patreon too, don't you? Hell yeah. Uh, patreon.com slash Jimquisition which you can go on there if you want. I do streaming as well sometimes at, at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. So that's all. That's it. Thank you for listening. I've got nothing else to say. I've got nothing left for you people right now. Uh, what else is there except to say thank you for listening and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.